Chapter twenty eight of The Star Chamber An Historical Romance Volume one This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org Recording by Bill Mosley The Star Chamber Volume one by William Harrison Ainsworth Chapter twenty eight the secret thrice was the guard relieved during that long night and as often was the prisoner visited on the first occasion he was found to be still engaged in his bible and he so continued during the whole time the man remained in the vault the next who came discovered him on his knees praying loudly and fervently and unwilling to disturb him left him at his devotions but the third who entered was struck with terror at the prisoner's appearance he had risen from the ground and was standing as erect as the fetters would permit with his hands outstretched and his eyes fixed on vacancy he was muttering something but his words were unintelligible he looked like one who beheld a vision and this impression was produced upon the man who half expected some awful shape to reveal itself to him but whatever it might be spirit of good or ill it was visible to the puritan alone after gazing at him for some minutes in mixed wonderment and fright the halberdier ventured to draw near him as he touched him the puritan uttered a fearful cry and attempted to spring forward as if to grasp some vanishing object but being checked in the effort by the chain he fell heavily to the ground and seemed to sustain severe injury for when the man raised him and set him against the pillar though he made no complaint it was evident he suffered excruciating pain the halberdier poured out a cup of wine and offered it to him but though well-nigh fainting he peremptorily refused it from this moment a marked change was perceptible in his looks the hue of his skin became cadaverous his eyes grew dim and glassy and his respiration was difficult everything betokened that his sufferings would be speedily over and that however he might deserve it hugh calvelli would be spared the disgrace of death by the hands of the executioner the halberdier was not unaware of his condition and his first impulse was to summon assistance but he was deterred from doing so by the earnest entreaty of the puritan to be left alone and thinking this the most merciful course he could pursue under the circumstances he yielded to the request scarcely expecting to behold him alive again it was by this same man that the door of the vault was opened to sir jocelyn and aveline the shock experienced by the maiden at the sight of her father had well nigh overcome her she thought him dead and such was sir jocelyn's first impression the unfortunate puritan was still propped against the pillar as the halberdier had left him 
but his head had fallen to one side and his arms hung listlessly down with a piercing shriek his daughter flew towards him and kneeling beside him raised his head gently and gazing eagerly into his face perceived that he still lived though the spirit seemed ready to wing its flight from its fleshly tabernacle the situation was one to call forth every latent energy in aveline's character controlling her emotion she uttered no further cry but set herself with calmness to apply such restoratives as were at hand to her father after bathing his temples and chafing his hands she had the satisfaction ere long of seeing him open his eyes at first he seemed to have a difficulty in fixing his gaze upon her but her voice reached his ears and the feeble pressure of his hand told that he knew her the power of speech returned to him at length and he faintly murmured my child i am glad to see you once more i thought all was over but it has pleased heaven to spare me for a few moments to give you my blessing bow down your head o my daughter and take it and though given by a sinner like myself it shall profit you may the merciful god who pardoneth all that repent even at the last hour and watcheth over the orphan bless you and protect you amen exclaimed jocelyn fervently who was it spoke demanded the puritan and as no answer was returned he repeated the inquiry it was i jocelyn mountchensey the son of your old friend replied the young man come nigh to me jocelyn said the dying man i have done you wrong and entreat your pardon oh talk not thus cried jocelyn springing towards him i have nothing to forgive but much to be forgiven you have a noble heart jocelyn rejoined hugh calvelli and in that respect resemble your father in his name i conjure you to listen to me you will not refuse my dying request i have a sacred trust to commit to you name it cried the young man and rest assured it shall be fulfilled give me some wine gasped the puritan faintly my strength is failing fast and it may revive me and with great effort he swallowed a few drops from the cup filled for him by jocelyn still his appearance was so alarming that the young man could not help urging him not to delay i understand replied hugh calvelli slightly pressing his hand you think i have no time to lose and you are right my child then is the trust i would confide to you son behold thy sister daughter behold thy brother i will be more than a brother to her cried sir jocelyn earnestly more thou canst not be rejoined hugh calvelli unless unless what demanded sir jocelyn i cannot exclaim cried the puritan with an expression of agony there is not time suffice it she is already promised in marriage father exclaimed aveline in surprise and with something of reproach 
I never heard of such an engagement before. It has been made without my consent. I charge you to fulfill it nevertheless, my child, if it be required, said Hugh Calvelli solemnly. Promise me this, or I shall not die content. Speak, let me hear you. And she reluctantly gave the required promise. Sir Jocelyn uttered an exclamation of anguish. "'What afflicts you, my son?' demanded the Puritan. "'To whom have you promised your daughter in marriage?' inquired the young man. "'You have constituted me her brother, and I am therefore entitled to inquire. "'You will learn when the demand is made,' said the Puritan. "'You will then know why I have given the promise, "'and the nature of the obligation imposed upon my daughter to fulfill it. "'But is this obligation ever to remain binding?' demanded Sir Jocelyn. "'If the claim be not made within a year after my death, "'she is discharged from it,' replied Hugh Calvelli. "'Oh, thanks, father, thanks!' exclaimed Aveline. "'At this moment the door of the vault was thrown open, "'and two persons entered, "'the foremost of whom Sir Jocelyn instantly recognized as the king.' The other was His Majesty's physician, Dr. Mayern Turquet. A glance sufficed to explain to the latter the state of the Puritan. Ah, parbleu, the man is dying, Your Majesty, he exclaimed. Dying, is he? cried James. The mere reason he should tell his secret to us without procrastination. Harky Provitaville, he continued as he strode forward. The judgment of heaven ye predicated for us seems to have fallen upon your ain cell and to have laid you low. Even afore our arm could touch you, ye have good reason to be thankful you have escaped the witty. Say e'en make a clean breast of it, confess your enormities, and reveal to us the secret matter whilk we are told ye had to communicate. Let all else withdraw a few paces, said Hugh Calvelli, and do thou, O king, approach me. What I have to say is for thine ear alone. There will be no danger in granting his request, inquired James of his physician. None whatever, replied Dr. Mayern Turquet. The only danger is in delay. Your majesty should lose no time. The man is passing rapidly away. A few moments more, and he will have ceased to exist. On a sign from the king, Sir Jocelyn then stepped aside. But Aveline refused to quit her father, even for a moment. As James drew near, Hugh Calvelli raised himself a little in order to address him. I say unto thee, O king, he cried, as Elijah said unto Ahab, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and made Israel to sin. Now the muckle dial sees thee, villain, exclaimed James furiously. 
Is it to listen to thy text that thou hast brought me hither? And as Hugh Calvelli, exhausted by the effort he had made, fell back with a groan, he bit his head towards him, crying, The secret, man, the secret, or the tormentor shall wring it from thee. The Puritan essayed to speak, but his voice was so low that it did not reach the ears of the king. What sayest thou? he demanded. Speak louder. Soul of our body, he exclaimed, after a moment's pause, during which the sudden alteration that took place in the prisoner's features made him suspect that all was over. Our belief is he will never speak again. He hath escaped us and has taken his secret with him. A loud shriek burst from Aveline as she fell upon her father's lifeless body. Let us forth, cried the king, stopping his ears. We cannot to be present at scenes like this. We have had a good riddance of this traitor, though we wad hae gladly heard what he had to tell. Sir Jocelyn Mountchensey, ye will see that this young woman be cared for, and when ye have caused her to be removed elsewhere, follow us to the tennis court, to which we shall incontinently adjourn. So saying, he quitted the vault with his physician. End of chapter 28 Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA